Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. Jill Kramer has the unique challenge of marketing an organization as sprawling and complex as Accenture in ways that are simple to understand. Her combined role as Chief Marketing and Communications Officer gives her a unique purview to do so, leveraging the insight from Accenture's more than 700,000 global employees to better tell the story of its brand. In addition to her day job, Kramer is also the head of Accenture's Disability Employee Resource Group. In the fall, she spearheaded Accenture's partnership with Disability Inn and TD Bank to bring together other marketing and communications leaders across the business world to put accessibility at the forefront of everything they do. In this episode, Kramer also chats about how Accenture's marketing and comms teams are structured and how the organization works with Accenture's song and Droga 5 to spread its message. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, Editor-in-Chief of Campaign US. You're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Jill. How are you? Hi, Allison. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. I'm excited to chat with you today. You are the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Accenture. So that in itself is pretty interesting. Talk about how you kind of, you know, straddle those two, those two different roles into one in your job. You know, it's funny. Um, my background is on the brand and advertising and marketing side, although I started my career in the communications world. But as I came up through and I joined Accenture to run their advertising and eventually to run their brand, I used to always think, well, I would never want that job because it's got to be impossible um, to live both sides of that equation. As I learned over time with previous wonderful business partners, mentors, and, and bosses, when you can look across your strategy and understand the different levers that you can pull internally and externally to bring the strategy to life, understand the challenges one side may bring and the, you know, how you could debit and credit kind of each other, you actually can make a smarter plan. And so I stopped myself from thinking them as separate and started about thinking about the brand I wanted to build, the messages I wanted to share, the go-to-market I wanted to achieve, and looked at that as a beautiful playground of different skills, talents, devices, et cetera, that could come to bear for it. And it really does change the way you look at it. Um, it can still be overwhelming, <laughs> but uh, but it's more fun than you might think. Yeah. So talk about how you integrate the two functions. Like typically marketing and comms are separate. Um, they're very similar and they're very closer together than ever, really. Um, so talk about like the roles on your team and how you kind of think about bringing both of those two sep- what are typically separate functions together. So really, um, for we, we think about the project or the initiative or the objective we're trying to achieve first and foremost. And when we approach the strategy for that, we approach it holistically. So all of the data, all of the insights, all of the learning that we can do to understand the mission in front of us happens agnostically with a strategy function that, that sits in the center. And then we kind of look at what's the art of the possible. And I always think of it as fielding a team. You almost always have marketing and communications on the team, but you can tell who's in the driver's seat and who's in the passenger seat, usually quite quickly. Um, and sometimes that changes as a project evolves. Um, you might start with communications prevalent if you're in an announcement situation or a launch situation. And you really have to do a lot in the earned media space. You have to do a lot in the internal communication space. 
Um, and you've got marketing kind of riding shotgun, understanding the overarching positioning that you want to achieve and all of the marketing tactics. And then over time, those positions might switch. And marketing is taking the lead role and communications is coming in, you know, as exclamation points or to fill in um, or to broaden the strategy if it's going across markets or geographies. So we really look at the strategy holistically, but then fielding the team and we name a captain. Um, mm-hmm. And we, they've always got their counter counterpoints to each other. And you have to be open to revisiting and ensuring that the team structure is always right as the project moves forward. And that if you need to move captains, you do that as well. Yeah. So do you have the both, like both functions sit on the same team, right? Like they are an integrated team. They are. And if you think about it, I think my job would be harder if they weren't because imagine trying to put together a whole marketing strategy or a whole communication strategy and running across the hall and wait, my thing changed or now your thing's changed. And I've noticed that across my career, there's, there are times when your scope of responsibility increases and your job gets easier because of it. And there's times when your scope of responsibility increases and your job gets harder. You just have to be really aware of which is the case. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you brought up internal communications, which I know is part of your role. Um, talk about how you think about using that as a lever for marketing more broadly of, of what Accenture is doing in the world. I, I think it's one of the most important levers, not only because I'm in a professional services uh, industry and field where, um, you know, at Accenture are almost 750,000 people are the most important audience we have. They're also one of the greatest sources of insight and learning to inform a marketing and, a, and an external communication strategy. Um, so they're also a, 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 a truly fun playground for creative expression. I think too many people treat internal communications as a functional um, form. In fact, today I popped in every once in a while, I like to drop in on different teams and I popped in on a, a one of our larger internal communication teams was having a, just a, a check-in today. And I, I popped in and, and they, they talked about the fact that I celebrate internal communications more than they had seen. Many of them have 10 years longer than mine. And um, if you cannot entertain and engage while informing and inspiring your own people, then you're going to have a big struggle um, externally. So I, I, my goal at Accenture is to make it the place marketing and communications, because we have rotated people from marketing into internal communications because we wanted that mindset um, and want to work in and where we think we do some of our best work that we would hold up for awards and sharing. And, you know, when I, when I do updates and I say, here's some of the most creative things we've done, you know, this quarter, this half year, this year, um, if we don't have that in the, in the list, then we're, uh, we need to stop and, and look at why not, because you can't short shrift um, your internal communications. Yeah. So give me an example of something you do differently on that front um, that that sort of shows this creativity and, and different approach you're bringing. Yeah, I think um, one of my favorite examples is how we created Good Morning Accenture, which is uh, um, I, I don't call it a newsletter because it really isn't a newsletter. It's a highly personalized digest that's delivered to every one of our people. And we started exactly using that process we talked about. We started with a really good strategy. Like what, what were we seeing at Accenture? 
how were our people coming together or were not coming together? What were their needs for bespoke information that was highly relevant, but also connectivity to the larger organization and culture? Um, we understood what that was. Then the, the creative team, our, our lead creatives, not special, you know, internal comms creative. Our lead creative team came up with an idea that I just loved. And I talk about it all the time because they said, imagine if every one of the 700,000 plus people at Accenture felt like they opened the same door every morning and someone just simply said, good morning. How are you today? How can I, how can I make today better for you? Here's what you need to know. And here's what you need to do. Um, quieted the noise and made you feel welcomed for that day and well-informed for that day. Who doesn't want that? And then they came up with what that looks like. And that was our highly personalized, now Gen AI enabled, right? Um, digest that, that goes to everyone. We started it one day a week. We ended up getting enough engagement and information to go to two. And now we're at three days a week. Wow. And then they said, okay, how does that go on other channels? Everybody at Accenture goes to our in, internal portal site. If you have to, you know, fill out your timesheet, you need to check on things. You need a quick link. You're going to take your training. Um, you all go there. So why shouldn't that be a connected experience? So now it does the same thing. And it says, hi, Allison, here's what you need to know. And here's what you need to do. And then we thought about, you know, treating our internal channels more like the kind of social experience you you would have on a platform like LinkedIn. So how does Viva engage within the Microsoft Office suite work? So it's it's constantly, it's really similar to how you would do a social program externally. It's really similar to how you do a multi-channel marketing program. And the way to get to that for me was to move people across functions really good brand people, really good social people. My team right now has some of my best marketing leadership, former brand people and social people working internal comps. Yeah. How do you get them excited about that? Because I know a lot of creatives are very much like, I want to work on the brand. I want to be, you know, like at the forefront of the external expression of the brand. So how do you get them excited about internal comps? I think it's the sunlight you shine upon it, right? So if it's what I'm going to be showing to the global management committee, if, if it's what I'm featuring um, when I speak externally, if it's what we're going to enter for awards internally and externally, if you make people work and you never recognize that work, then it will be a place people are not, you know, elbowing past others to get into. But if, um, but if you make it a place where the creativity is celebrated, um, and seen, then I think you have a much better job of getting the right people in those, in those jobs. And also being able to articulate why you need their specific skills. The, mm. the head creative on that team, um, used to work at Droga Five mm -hmm. and really came to understand that to make our brand sing, the people internally had to love it and mm -hmm. was incredibly inspired to be a part of that. Um, some of the social media people are like, okay, I'm I'm pretty good at social media across all these channels. I want to get a channel that that we don't have nearly enough uptake on. And I'm like, I got exactly the right channel for you. Come on inside and put some of those skills to work. So um, I think it's in how you frame the challenge. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's also sort of an interesting segue into like how you think about creativity more broadly for an organization like Accenture. Obviously like you said, 750 or so thousand people, massive organization, very complex organization with a lot of different services that you offer to businesses that are not always 
the easiest for a lay person to understand. So as as a CMO, like NCCO, how do you think about telling the story of what Accenture is and where do you use creativity to do that? Um, Gosh, the creativity in our work is greatly linked to relevance, simplicity, and the ability to, to comprehend. And so I always just ask myself, I do a lot of reading. I read a lot of spot things that are going on across our organization. I mean, you might imagine how many news releases, for example, a company like us does in a week or a month. But every once in a while, I'll probe and ask the question, this looks like cool work we're doing for fill in the blank client, but I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. What's different now that they've got us, you know, as a partner than what was before? Can you give me a simple from it, from to, or an as is and a to be? Just asking those simple questions that are, that make people think, or they'll say, it's so great. We did A, B, and C. And I'll be like, great. Why is that great? Mm -hmm. Like who needed that? Why did they need it? Um, We talk about our mission really is to, to help our clients become the next best version of themselves because our clients are smart and they're always seeking to reinvent and they're always seeking to transform. And what they're looking for is they see exactly what they want to be or who they want to be or how they want to work or how they want to engage their customers. They just need that partner who's going to take that vision and plus it up and get it done and get it done to create exactly the type of value they wanted. And so um, in order to tell that story, you have to understand what the vision was, why it mattered, and what we actually had to do to make it happen. So what we had to do is sometimes the more technical and kludgy part, but there's people who are interested in that. But if you understand what they wanted to accomplish and how they would be different before and after, then you're 90% of the way through the storytelling. Yeah. So B2B, you, it's typically been very, um, I don't want to say dry, but there's it's been more like account-based marketing and sort of yeah. like direct outreach to key decision makers at other companies. But, you know, when you're, when you're a brand as big as Accenture, there's also like opportunities to, to bring new thinking into B2B, which I know you've been doing. So talk about how you balance craft with complexity, um, in telling some of these stories. Uh, It's the biggest, it's the biggest challenge. You know, I, it, it's a challenge here at Accenture, but previously in my career, um, I worked with a client on their, on their enterprise side. And we would get briefs that I would have to like block off an afternoon to read and try to understand the client brief. And when I came here, I remembered that. And I was like, are you going to be that client or are you going to be the client (laughs) that keeps asking questions until you deeply understand what it is? The most important thing to enable creativity and to simplify the complexity is the investment in time that you make as a marketing and a communications professional. Because if you deeply understand what's happening and you ask the right questions, you can storytell so much better than if you're trying to fly at 30,000 feet. And I think that's very important because you have to staff accordingly. You have to resource a marketing and communications department in a B2B organization differently. Um, And I think that that's when you become a great creative partner to your creative teams, whether they are internal or external, because you did your homework. Mm-hmm. And you're able to reduce things down, give really relevant examples. They'll still have quest- ask questions you haven't thought of yet, 
uh, but you'll go back and you'll be able to run those down. So I think it's the the investment of time is very critical. And it also, again, it comes back to showing how much you value the creative process because you're not just going, I don't know. It's, it's basically this. And here's a seven page brief. And I think they answer that question, you know, on page five, halfway down. You have to really work at, at understanding it and be able to have an interesting conversation. And, and the interesting point is important. If you do not find it interesting, no one else will either. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you don't have marketing or communication support about it. You just need to understand where it fits in your portfolio of stories while you're building your brand. And when you're also doing some of the functional steps you need to do to drive certain types of business. And I think that's a big challenge for some B2B brands um, is what is building your brand and what is driving your business and where's Mm -hmm. the area in the middle. Yeah, I think a lot of B2B companies, they don't always focus so much on brand building because that's not always like the metric that you're told to look at or uh, the business is looking at for, for success. So talk about like... What are some brand building efforts you've done at Accenture um, over the past few years? And why has that been important for driving the business? I think that, uh, first of all, we place, and this is this is across Accenture, the business and the marketing um, people, we do, we do believe that our brand is valuable and we believe it takes intentional management and care and nurturing to keep that brand relevant and at the forefront of where our business should be. So that's step number one. You have to, you have to be at a company who believes that. The second thing is then we measure. Um, we measure, we look at internal sources, we look at external sources, we do quantitative, we do qualitative. Um, our team right now is actually reinventing the way we measure our brand by using neuroscience and brain science methodologies. It's not just, are you aware of Accenture, but how quickly do you associate Accenture with certain capabilities or qualities um, that we know help build our brand? So it's that commitment, not only to measure it, but to keep evolving your measurement. Um, we have a, a, a person at Accenture who's always trying to poke a hole. Yeah. Everything we might believe. So you need that type of energy. And then, um, you know, I think on, on top of that, then you have to have a plan. So an example at Accenture is there was a phase in Accenture's business development when we were speaking about very specific and differentiated capabilities. And that was the right business strategy at the time. And it was the right brand strategy at the time. When you said Accenture, you associated it with one or two capabilities. We needed to associate it with five. So mm. we built each of those intentionally. Then came the moment where those capabilities were going to needed to come together because their value as standalone was minuscule compared to their value when combined. So mm-hmm. at that time, this was very early in my tenure here at Accenture, which has now been eight years. That's when we came up with the, the campaign concept of new applied now, because it was understanding it was at the time of the digital revolution it was that we understood what was new, what new tools and technology and digital were available, but also how to apply them to your business um, appropriately and get you value now. So mm-hmm. it was a moment of bringing together. Now, that was that was the first. Then we went into the right around the time of the pandemic, the concept of digital and technology had changed so much that the concept of transformation 
went from being a cyclical every couple of years things to a continuous thing. And that's when we came out with working with Droga 5, Let There Be Change, which Mm -hmm. is the concept of the old mentality of, oh, I just transformed that part of my business. I can leave it for the next five years was gone. And you had to be looking at continuous and, and many times compressed transformation. So we wanted, we moved our brand into a space that was less about what we did and more about what we believed. Mm. And that if we believe that, what did that mean? What mindset did that mean we were meeting our clients with? Um, and then we're, we're going to be announcing some new work um, later on this calendar year that's going to kind of talk a little bit about where where we're going next. But it's that commitment to always align with the business strategy, do so in a way that um, that gets out of, you know, what you mentioned, the more functional checking the box of, I told the world what I did, check. I must be doing great marketing and brand building to more bringing in the personality of the company, the differentiation, the belief system. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're trying to also just keep it pretty human. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you tell somebody, um, we help our clients embrace change. Okay, I get that. Um, And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So you mentioned that you do work with Droga 5, which is part of Accenture Song, which is part of Accenture. That's right. Accenture has a ton of capabilities that I'm sure that you are able to tap into. Um, talk about like the the relationship with Song and Droga and where you use them for your marketing work and, and where you don't and how that all works together. Okay. So um, first of all, how lucky am I um, <laughs> that, you know, uh, I, you have all of this wealth of resources to tap into. First and foremost, it's very important. I treat them like a client and they treat me like a client. So I have a scope of work. My scope of work is staffed by Accenture Song. It is staffed by the right mix to meet my needs, my branding needs, my advertising needs, my social media needs, my media strategy needs, my, you know, they augment my in-house creative capabilities just like they would any other client. So that's very important. Number one, because I do not have an open checkbook and I can't just, you know, at will tap into resources. So, so that's an important um, piece of grounding. The second thing is as being a client, I also learn a lot about the marketing offering. So you might, uh, I'm also a technology consumer. So when I build my MarTech stack, I work with our technology teams. I am also an operations user. I use marketing operations, not all of the work that happens for Accenture Marketing happens within the marketing and communications department. So that's just important. I believe very strongly that if I, if I'm going to be hopefully a great credential for the, for the parts of Accenture I work with, then I need to work the same way every other client does. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we do look for is we do tap into many of those capabilities that I just mentioned and they have grown. Um, I've been in this job for almost three years now over those three years um, it's grown because I've, uh, uh, as capabilities have expanded, we've wanted to test those capabilities out. And in some cases, we've asked, what if we did this? And they've said, okay, we don't do it for any clients yet, but we could. And I hear you. Let's, let's try that. So really started with the brand and traditional advertising work and the Droga 5 relationship. We quickly expanded into social. Um, Then when they were just kind of doing more media strategy and media buying, we were probably one of the earliest teams working with them 
And then as I transformed marketing in-house and I was working with marketing operations, I was also working with song to be able to look at a continuous creative team. And again, I was recently talking to a CMO at one of our clients. She does the exact same thing. She has Mm -hmm. her in-house, she has a brand agency, and she has additional capabilities with song. We are not her brand agency yet. Um, but we are, uh, we are, we do some of the other pieces. So it's, um, it's really interesting. And then the tie by having, um, an agency partner that also deeply understands technology is a benefit because it's when I'm choosing my social media platform, when we're designing the tech stack, we've got that understanding and, everybody kind of comes to the table to help design what we need, how we're going to use it and how we're going to measure success. Yeah. So how do you like, how much overlap is there, if at all, between your internal teams or the people you have working on certain campaigns and the song and Droga five teams? Um, I'll say this and hopefully you'll understand it in the, in the spirit I intended. I would say none because if it's not like you just turn to a random song person and say, Hey, can you do this Accenture marketing exercise for me? Because Mm -hmm. they might be like, Oh, I work on a consumer brand. Like I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or like I'm busy. Exactly. Just because you work at Accenture doesn't mean, Oh, I'm magically trained on this brand. I know exactly what our strategy is. I know exactly our, our tone of voice backward and forward. So really anybody who works on our, um, work is assigned an assignment via Accenture marketing communications. And they are a great partner in that, um, you might have someone in another corner of the world who's co-located with a song team and they're like, oh, could you make this video for me? Um, mm-hmm. Which is a natural instinct, right? But they'll be like, let me talk, let me talk to the team. So they treat me with the same respect they would afford any other, any other client. Now, yeah. our internal creative team that sits inside of marketing and communications and is not part of song and most of the song creatives that are assigned to my business they do benefit from knowing our business deeply because they get the same good morning Accenture. They hear the same news. They're, you know, tied to the same sources of information. So it makes it a really, really well-informed body of creatives working on your business. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you work with any other agencies or is it just the the song and Droga 5 relationship? Um, mostly that's the majority by far. We do have other agencies where we augment capabilities. It could be based on different parts of the world. It could be in the earned media space. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be because we're seeking some additional capacity for any reason. Um, and I'm like any other agency, I'm kind of at the high end of what I would use from one. So I augment a little over here. Um, but the profile is mostly Accenture song agencies. Okay. Got it. So I want to talk a little bit about something I know that you're really passionate about, which is uh, the disability space. And I know Accenture is doing a lot around accessibility. So talk a little bit about um, the disability in CMO CCO coalition that you recently launched. Yeah. So um, when I started in this role, um, I was attending an event, an Accenture event, and it happened to be, I think it was International Day for People with Disabilities. And I was watching everything go on and and the, we always have a, a, a global management committee member sponsor uh, of our various employee resource groups. And as I was watching, this person was speaking and they were retiring. So I asked who's taking over on the disability inclusion employee resource group. And, um, and I was answered with, are you raising your hand? And I said, I am 
enthusiastically raising my hand. So I first became involved with our internal employee resource group, learned a ton. Um, and then because I was a member of that, I attended Disability Inns Conference, um, of which we are also a member. Um, and one of the board members there, who's a chief communications officer, asked to grab a cup of coffee and said, you know, I'm watching as a member of the board, I'm watching so many parts of the organization embrace all of the aspects of accessibility. And I feel like marketing and communications has a world, you know, further to go. And I'm like, isn't that awesome to take on? And so I thought about why, if, what if we just ask some of the board members and other members of Disability In to put forward their marketing and communications leads to take a look at our, is the content we're creating create, being created for an inclusive world? Are we offering jobs? Are the way we put jobs out there for members of our marketing communication teams inclusive and designed for people to feel like they could, they could belong and, and truly be a part of the team when they came here? Are we sharing information that could make other brands better? Because getting to disability inclusion isn't a race to where you one up each other. It should be something that's distributed. And everybody really loved that idea. So we came together and formed that coalition. And we set up, we didn't want it to be something where we just sat around and chatted. So we set up very specific pillars, KPIs for each pillar. And then each brand who's a member or multiple brands signed up for each pillar. And then quarterly, we will say, okay, what have we done to get to those KPIs? So are the ones who signed up to change their job descriptions, have they made progress and are they seeing an increase of applications? Um, people who said we're going to better our distribution of people with disabilities across those who identify in the makeup of our current teams. Have you made progress? People who have a portion of their content accessible, but not everything. Have you made progress? So just going through and then what did we find and what did we learn? And we democratize that learning across all of the member teams so that we could each take that next, um, you know, progressive move forward together. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I like what you said about it's not something where we need to compete and one up each other. It's really an area where collective insights and learning can can help. Um, what are like just being part of Accenture? Like what are some things that you've seen or have access to in the organization when it comes to like accessible products and, and content that that you're kind of bringing to the way you approach marketing at the organization? Well, it's so interesting. I was recently, um, it started by finding out that we have, and I don't know how many, I'll make sure you get the number, dozens of accessibility centers around the world. So when you go into various offices, I was in San Francisco last week and I was trying to find my office and I, I, I walked into the accessibility center. Like it's rarely that you don't find one of those. And that happened because a person needed a special set of headphones in order to be able to hear and do their job. Um, and they, so they sought that out, talked to the people in our internal technology groups and our, our technology groups that serve clients and started to say, so what other tech is there? I needed this tech, but there could be 20 other people in this building who need tech. Why don't we collect all that there is, commit ourselves to always knowing the next best thing and collect those so people could walk in and just say, I really need this, I need this, uh, um, et cetera. So 
that's that's one of the the things that is incredibly inspiring and being able to check in with them regularly and see what's being added and what's learned and what advancements are happening. Another one is someone who worked on, and I won't say the platform's name, with an ecosystem partner and on their own, innovated a version of that partner's product that made it more accessibility friendly and then brought that to the partner. So it's just that culture of innovation mm-hmm. that's that is, you know, fueled by people who deeply understand technology and business processes. And they're in wonderful positions to see a problem, solve the problem, and then scale that solve. And so what we try to bring forward are some of those commitments. Um, on the song and agency network side, that's also a benefit. So I mentioned to you that we're going to be launching some new work. Um, we changed the level of um, accessibility, like I really wanted to deeply understand um, every single thing that might happen with that concept once it went out in the world. How could it be consumed or not? And what were the barriers? And so working with them, and there's a, a world of expertise across those agencies that make up Accenture Song that under, that help us understand that. So there's just many different avenues um, to tap into. There's our own world-class HR, um, who, you know, we deeply understand our people, what they identify with, what their needs are, how we ensure that those needs are met. What, what do we learn from that? So we're trying to bring some of that scale and those pockets of expertise, but then you'll turn around and someone else, another member of the coalition has a dedicated lab and they've figured out things we haven't yet. And another Mm -hmm. member of the coalition has figured out something with their job you know, their job postings that no one else had figured out yet. And it's just, it's a constantly inspiring conversation. Yeah. Speaking of like emerging tech, one thing Accenture I'm sure is on the cutting edge of is generative AI. How do you see that playing a role in the accessibility space? It's a, it's a great tool uh, for the accessibility space. So if you think about the production end of accessibility, I'm going to start there because it's easiest to understand. So you think about the extra production steps you take to ensure something is accessible. Um, Generative AI can greatly advance and speed up production, including those steps, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that were, oh, we didn't, we didn't do that yet. We'll add that in or, you know, so it's really no excuses to, to have that as part. But what I love is go to the other end of the process, go to the brief. We're working right now on a Gen AI enabled brief. You know this space very well. A brief is only as good as the people who are filling it out and the questions they thought to ask themselves and each other. But if you have a Gen AI enabled brief that could work as that kind of interviewer and asks you questions so that you always remember it, one of the things we're building in is what are the barriers to people being able to understand this content? What do you need to know to design for accessibility so that the original brief always has that in. It's kind of like what inclusion and diversity was years ago. It was, it, you know, it got to the point where that was in the brief. You were, you were talking to everyone. And so um, I think Gen AI helps get it in the brief. It helps in every part of the, you know, production and content supply chain. If you need to do more versions, guess what? You can, because Mm -hmm. Gen AI can enable that. You can make sure your production, um, there are no production barriers because Gen AI can be an aid 
in things like doing the, the companion voice track or doing the image descriptions and be trained to do the image descriptions in the right way. So I think it's going to be a wonderful tool to continue to advance progress. Yeah. Um, is there any other way? I mean, I'm sure you're using it across all of your marketing at this point. Like how else are you seeing it sort of enhance what your team does? I'm very excited about the whole brief space. And there's some other spaces where we're using it kind of as an interviewer um, uh, for, for storytelling, which I'm excited about. Definitely in the content supply chain, um, without a doubt. Um, we have a whole host. Um, we are uh, we work with writer.com. Accenture is an investor in writer.com. So we've enabled the entire marketing department um, with that tool. So we uh, encourage our clients and we are living by the same philosophy. We understand where's the value that we can help Accenture generate by marketing more efficiently. So we drive both productivity efficiencies, but also top line growth. Then we look at that gives us our Gen AI roadmap. Where are we going to apply it? It helps you decide where to apply it first. It makes sure that your data layer and the and the tech layer you're building is informed by your entire roadmap. Otherwise, every single person taps into a different model and a different tech stack. So we're looking mm-hmm. at it much more holistically. And it goes all the way from insights, generating insights for us and concepting and briefing in through um, production and creative concepting all the way to data mining at the end of the process for results. So we've got a pretty comprehensive um, roadmap that we're embracing. We'll do across this year and into next. Awesome. Well, Jill, I'm excited to see what you guys do this year and the work you have coming out soon. Um, Thank you for your time and for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I always enjoy chatting with you and this was a good one. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to Campaign Chemistry. Be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts and head to campaignlive.com for all the latest news on advertising and marketing.